Hi. Hey guys, my name is Chanel Perillo, and I'm a casting director and producer based in Los Angeles. I've cast shows like Drag Race, F Boy Island, The Real Housewives franchise, and Million Dollar Listing, to name a few. I want to welcome you to Shut Up Chanel, a podcast where I take you through my LGBTQIA journey, while each week I get to chat with the queer royalty that helps shape me. Buckle up, because I know you're going to want to tell me to shut up. Shut up, This is a wild card, you guys, for me, and I'm excited because we're we're you know we're we're going out of the timeline a little bit. She is the queen of the north. She is a drag queen, a performer, a choreographer, a pageant winner. She was well known for her um, runner-up position on the 11th season of RuPaul's Drag Race. She is my sister, Brooklyn Heights. Hi, shut up, Chanel. Jesus. <laughs> a choreographer? What, 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 I didn't know I was a choreographer. You're just, pulling, you're just pulling shit out of your ass. I live. Okay, I'm dying because I was doing research for this interview and it said you were a choreographer. And I was like, wait a minute, there's so much that I don't know about Brooklyn Heights. And so I had to say it to like, start the conversation wikipedia says you're a fucking choreographer <laughs> i love that it also says i'm my net worth is like 10 million dollars so isn't that fun those websites i i remember i was <laughs> on one of those websites it was like i was worth like two million dollars and i was like where yeah where <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well it's so good to see you, you look amazing um thank you i literally was i was watching your story last night and i saw that you were getting fucking morpheus which i have gotten and i was like i was gonna text you but i was like let's just see what happens because i looked crazy after mine and you look amazing Thank you. I'm a little bit red. I just put on like a shit ton of skincare. I also am getting laser hair removal on my face. So I'm so fucking patchy and it's driving me crazy. I look like a Dalmatian. I just have like (laughs) spots of hair all over my face. (laughs) Morpheus 8 was the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. For those listening, it's a like micro needling procedure where it, it, it like goes really deep into your skin and I don't even know what it's supposed to do I just I don't either but it's it's like it's like a, someone taking a staple gun to your skin essentially it, I did three rounds and I literally felt like I I told my skincare people that I deserved a t-shirt at the end of it because I felt <laughs> like I had like made it through like a crazy ride at an amusement park but yeah it, yeah. Was, it was traumatic to say the least but I love that is something we both have in common is we love our beauty oh my god Regimes. yeah anything anything for beauty is my is always my go-to well I laser my whole face too so oh but honestly Those Italian that, jeans <laughs> I am a hand if I if, if I didn't get lasered I would be the hairiest woman in the world. Do you have, uh, would you have a mustache? I would have. Oh, in fifth grade, I came home crying because the boys told me that I had a mustache. Oh my God, dad. And my mom thought we should bleach it. <laughs> so then I went back to school with a blonde mustache. 
And I came home crying again. And then she was like, okay, we should nair it. And so from fifth grade until like high school, I nared my face. Oh my God. I fucking know. And then, and then like real tea here, I like shaved my face for a while. And then, and then I got laser hair removal once it was invented. Like I remember when laser hair removal was invented. (laughs) (laughs) You were the first person, you were patient zero. Me and Michelle Visage were first in line. So this, it's, it's funny because I've been going through kind of like the timeline of like how I've how like certain queens came into my life and most of these stories revolve around me being on set or in the casting process of Drag Race. I was trying to pin back to when me and you met and I was like, you know what? This still works in the timeline because I remember meeting you at Latrice's wedding, which is like, so I was like, this episode's going to be great because I'm going to learn more about you and figure out like how, like when the fuck did, how did we meet? When did we become friends? How did we come into each other's lives? Do you remember? I remember the first time we met, it was before Latrice's wedding. It was at the Abbey. And I I, I wasn't on the show yet uh, or anything, but we were there in a, in a, it was a big booth. It was a big group of us. I don't know what we were doing there, but we were there and you were there with some guy and you, you still had your lips. Do you remember your? Oh, you your... mean like before my lips went down? <laughs> yeah. Like your lip, your the lips were lipping. And I was, I was like, who is this really loud straight girl? we didn't talk at all like you ignored me and I ignored you we just we didn't interact it was a big group mm-hmm. of us and we, yeah. we just never like and we didn't know each other so but that was my first introduction to Chanel and then I think at Latrice's wedding is when we actually like talked and stuff and then we went oh what was that what was that strip club we all went to oh swinging Richards oh man, rest in peace man that was a good one so sad and I know I think we really bonded there and do you remember what happened to me there no. I think you might have left by that point. It was because we went, we went the Latrice's wedding was in Atlanta and we were there. We were all there for the whole weekend. And I remember both nights, the night before her wedding and the night I think of her wedding. We both, mm-hmm. we all, we all wound up at Swinging Richards. And Swinging <laughs> Richards, I actually talked about it in the last episode it, or the episode before this. It, it's pretty much like a male strip club. Is how you much. would describe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is, in fact, a male strip club, yeah. which is no longer there. It's no longer, it's gone. Oh, my God. I think somebody I told me that during COVID that it got shut down. And it was so yeah. creepy. It was like this random club in the middle of the woods. Like, I remember when we pulled up, I was like, this is where we're going. It's not. A, what are you talking about? It was not in the middle of the woods, Chanel. <laughs> it felt like it was in the middle of the woods. <laughs> I don't see you out there walking children in nature. It wasn't like a main strip. I feel like you had to like drive into it, didn't you? No, there's like I... a, it's, it's literally on a street with a parking lot. Oh, I must <laughs> have, I must have been. I'm full on making it up. And the vision oh. I have in my head is us like pulling into this like random building in the woods. I, my I like that idea though, like a backwoods strip club. Like when well, you like down a dirt road in like the middle of like the Florida swamp. Like sounds fun. Sounds it does fun. sound fun. <laughs> well, the Abbey years were crazy. And honestly, I met so many people during that time that, and it was all such a blur. That was like peak twenties, like, mm. oh my God, the Abbey days. But I remember, I, I remember hearing about you through the Queens. Like I think detox may have talked to me, talked to me about you. I always like, kind of always like looked at you and detox as like, like my, 
I don't know. Like you have this like bitchiness about you, but also like caring heart. Like, and it's weird because people always used to say you look like detox, but I think it's the personality. Yeah. yeah. I think it's I the mean, personality. There, there are some pictures where I really see it. And I'm like, oh, wow, we do, we look alike there. But then other times I'm like, most of the times I'm like, I really don't fucking see it. I mean, I'm way prettier than her. And it just <laughs> doesn't really insulting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but um, we, we definitely have like a similar, I think, vibe to us. And I love her so much. We have so much fun together. Like whenever I get a, we, we never see each other. We live in the same city now and we never see each other. But whenever I get to see her, we always just have a really good time. Oh, I love that. Well, I want you to take me back because I didn't kind of get to be on your Drag Race journey. Like, I want to know how, how did Drag Race come about for you? Because I, and I also, in my Googling, I realized that me and you are this, like the same age. We were born the same year. So I feel like we have like very similar life experiences. 86, baby. 86, baby. It's so great. We got like the tail end of the 80s and then we're like straight into the early 90s. (laughs) I know, I know. My Drag Race journey, where did it start? Well, I always knew I wanted to be on the show because like I, I, drag is my passion. It's what I love to do. But I kind of stopped dancing and started doing drag. And it was going really well. But I had just spent like almost a decade as like a broke ballet dancer. And then drag, I was making, I would say a little bit more money for myself. But I was like, I love this. If I'm going to do this, I need to make money. Like I I, I need to like, I want to make a living doing this. And then I saw a drag race and I saw these queens. It's so funny. Before drag race, you get all like, you see these queens and you're like, oh my God, they're millionaires. They are millionaires, honey. So I'm, and in my mind, kind of, that's what I thought. I was like, oh my God, they, they must all be so rich. They're on TV. So I was like, I want to do this. So that really became my goal and my focus. And that's like, I, I won Miss Continental. And as soon as I won Miss Continental, I applied for another work visa to the States because I had had them when I was dancing, but they had expired. So Wait, I but so for... did you, did you do Miss Continental after you saw Drag Race or did you do Miss Continental before you saw Drag Race? After, after okay. Drag Race was, yeah, I, I did that in 2013 for the first time. So Drag Race was already very much like a thing. And uh, I remember the first night of, prelim night of my first year at Continental 2013, Raja came up to me and was like, oh my God, you're amazing. And I was so starstruck. I think she was one of the first Rue girls I ever met. I was going to um, ask you that. I was going to ask you, like, who the very you first, The very first guru girl I ever met was Morgan, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's a and great introduction to Drag Race. <laughs> perfect introduction. It was back when I was dancing. So this was like, it, I think it was during or right after her season. It was mm-hmm. at Moe's in San Francisco. I think I it's, is, that, is it called Moe's? It's how, that sounds really familiar. Moe's Bar, it's, it's where. Uh, Moe's Chad, Bar and Grill. Yeah. No, Urban Mo's. Urban Mo's. That's that's in San. Isn't that in San Diego? There's one in San Francisco too. I just said San Diego. Oh, I thought you said San Francisco. (laughs) Yes, Urban Mo's, San Diego. Chad Michael. Yes. So I we were there, and I met and more. I met Morgan, and with Morgan was none other than Mayhem Miller who had not been on the show yet. Okay. So, and I, I didn't really, of course, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to Mayhem because she wasn't famous yet. Ah, we're <laughs> then the same person. Thinking back, <laughs> thinking back, I was like, oh my God, that was Mayhem. So yeah, so then I, I met Raja at Continental and I was always, I, so I kind of grew up in this weird, I came up and dragged in this weird 
thing because I came up with Drag Race and being like a fan of Drag Race and honestly being like a lot of the times starstruck when I saw these like TV drag queens. Mm -hmm. But I was also very much coming up with the pageant world, which is like the old school. So I'm kind of like a very big clash of old school and new school drag. Mm -hmm. um, so I won Miss Content. I won Miss Con I did it in 2013. I was first runner up, and then I won in 2014. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I won, I applied for a work visa to the states because I was like, I need to get back to the states to get on Drag Race. Like it was very much like my. I was very laser focused on that. So I got I got my work visa, and then as soon as I got my work visa, and I landed in the states. Like literally, like two months later, I started applying for my green card. So I got my green card, mm -hmm. and then from there, I. Um, Wait, you're so lucky. I feel like it's so hard to get a green card. Oh, yeah, I know. And especially as a drag queen, I applied as like a drag performer and I got it. Do you think it's just because Canada is fucking amazing or what? <laughs> no, well, it was the States. Like it had nothing to yeah. do with Canada. Like I, I, I think I was lucky because I had all of that, like, because you have to show so much like proof that you're like exceptional at what you do. And I had all of the programs, the ballet programs that I had newspaper articles about mm -hmm. me and like, blah, 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 blah. So I had all of that. So I think obviously that really helped and I got really good letters of recommendation. And then, so yeah, I, I got my green card and then I auditioned for, I auditioned for season nine. I didn't get on obviously because I wasn't a city, uh, a resident yet. And then I auditioned mm -hmm. for season 10 and apparently Rue told me this actually on set that I was supposed to be on season 10. And then I think because I was from Canada, the background, something about the background, it's something it took takes longer. Long. Yeah. yeah. During the whole, like after, cause that's the thing after someone gets cast, like they might really want them for the show, but then you go through the whole background process and that's when they check like, yeah. the background check, make sure all your paperwork. So they probably just did it. They probably filed it late and like, we're like, Fuck. yeah, but yeah. then they had you in that spot for, for 11 which is which is exciting well i didn't know because that's the thing like i so i auditioned i got to background check and then radio silence they never they never told me anything or said mm -hmm. anything to me so i i was like oh my god that's it like that's the end of the road like i was devastated i was so devastated so i auditioned again the next year of course and i got on I mean, the, the, and it just kind of, it happened when it was supposed to happen. And, and it was so you, weird. Go ahead. Were you living in Canada when you got the call? You were Nashville. in Atlanta. You were, okay, Nashville. Yeah, yeah. I was, in, I was living in Nashville from 2014 and I got on in 2018. So I was, in, I was in Nashville for four years before or three years before I got on. And what made you want to go to Nashville? I didn't want to go to Nashville. <laughs> They offered me a job and would sp and sponsor me for my work visa. So it was after I won Miss Continental, the owner saw me at the pageant and they're like, hey, we want you to come work for us at our club. And it was a great, it's a, an amazing place. It's called Play Dance Bar. Play. Like every I was going to say yeah, play. You, I've been there. <laughs> so, it, so I was, they were like, would, do you want to come move down? And I was like, of course, sure. So I went down for like a weekend and I was literally there for like a night and a half. And I was like, cool, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, do you want to move? And I'm like, sure. And I went home and packed up my stuff. And I'll never forget, like, driving back into Nashville, like, into the city. And I was just like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, I was like, I am in the fucking South. I, I, I'm I, not a fan of the South at all. Like, just, it's not my, not my gig. I don't know what it is about it. I just do not like it there. So I, I was there for five years. I lived there and I hated it. I loved the job. The job was great. I traveled as much as I could, but I just did not like living in Nashville. I didn't, 
I didn't, it was like, it's kind of like living in Vegas. Like, mm, it, that's not, the vibe. Yeah. It's like bachelorette party, very, like capital, very, it's party, like, party, oh, party, mm-hmm. loud, obnoxious, drunk people. But yeah, like the the play itself, I, I always, whenever I always talk about hating Nashville, and I have to be very clear that I did not hate play and I did not hate my, where I worked. That was like the one saving grace for me, but like the city itself, I could not wait to get out. Yeah, Nashville listeners, like, we still love you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not your fault. (laughs) No, and and honestly, just know, the thing is, it's just knowing which city you want to live in. Like, that's the thing. It's like, Nashville is perfect for some people, but it's just not you. It's not like you. love it. Yeah, but you, like, you're a Canadian girl. Like, like, I don't know. I just don't see you in the South. I'm a Northerner. You're a Northerner. You're, You're perfect in downtown Chicago. I really am. I love it here. Like it's, I, I love seasons. It gets, it's cold today and I'm so fucking excited because I get to put on a coat and like a sweater. Yeah. See, that's the one thing. I think you did well in LA. I feel like, I feel like you, and you may like come back again one day. Maybe. I Yeah. I think there's a possibility. Like I do like California. I was actually surprised at how pretty California was and like how naturey and like, because I just thought it was like a big city and I just, I never it's realized everything. there was like, like yeah there's lots of there's lots to do there i just felt very lost in la i moved there during the pandemic because i i it was like my chance to get out of nashville and it uh bianca was moving so i took over her great apartment so but i was just like what am i what am i doing here because i was always gone and you know la like it's impossible to make friends in la unless you're there all the time you i feel like you really have to put in the work in la to like make friends and like make connections and stuff like that and all and also everyone's so busy hustling and doing their own thing that like you just don't see people a lot so every time I would go home from a gig or from a trip I I would just kind of be sitting in my apartment by myself and be like I have like I don't have a life like I don't know anybody here like I can't I, I should have bought something during the pandemic and I don't know why I didn't but like I could have afforded something if I had bought during the pandemic but then after shit started to get expensive again I couldn't Mm -hmm. afford anything so I was like I can't buy anything here and I was just like I just feel very like isolated and alone but I I see I see myself moving back one day I I could see myself getting a place in Palm Springs that's kind of like my next goal is to get like a a a rental property in Palm Springs that I can go for the winter I want like us all to be old women in Palm Springs together oh honey yes I am ready for it like that's my we're we're all gonna be old trans women and and (laughs) caftans and turbans that is my plan B like (laughs) if if an old trans woman (laughs) well no if I never like you know find true love I'll just find true love with my queens in Palm Springs (laughs) exactly yeah like I'm full on I'm full on down for Palm Springs or even LA like if I if I won the lottery tomorrow I would definitely buy a place in LA Mm -hmm. I don't think I would spend all my time there but like I I love the weather the weather's obviously great but that was like the only saving grace for me for the city like okay I want to go back I want to go back so you got the call you got dry oh yeah you were so excited. You like, that was something you had dreamed of and worked for. Take me to going to set. Like how was it? Cause a lot of Queens will, ha- will like you will create this image of what it is. By the time you got on the show, the show was already a moving machine. Like they had figured yeah. it out. The, you know, everything was figured out. Everything I've talked about in the past episodes I'm sure it was figured out. Like, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it was all figured out. But what was it like? What was it like getting to walk on set for the first time and experience Drag Race? 
so cool. I mean, the, like I had, I had known at that point, I knew so many people who had been on the show and talked to me about it and their experiences mm -hmm. and be like, oh girl, it's going to be like this, blah, blah, blah. But I, it's really true. Nothing can prepare you for drag race until you actually physically, emotionally and mentally go through it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was such a, I just remember being so excited. And I remember walking through that door for the first time and like meeting everyone and then Rue coming in and it was all just like, it was so surreal. I think that my favorite moment of the, my drag race experience, I have two favorite moments. My favorite, my first favorite moment was getting to walk that runway for the first time. That was really special. That was, mm -hmm. I remember coming back, coming back after the first one and Plastique was either right before me or after me. And we were just like jumping up and down. We were like, oh my God. And we're all standing in our line backstage. And we were just like, I want to do it again. <laughs> like It's like it was, such a rush, right? Oh, I've never. I, I, mm -hmm. It was so good. It was so good. And then when I did my poncho reveal trick, that one episode, that was another like iconic moment. Because I just remember like, everyone wants to have that moment with Rue in that moment, like where you connect and like you really make her gag or you make her laugh or something. You do, you, you get something out of her, you know? Cause mm -hmm. she's a tough nut to crack. Right? And, and like so yeah. good with the straight face that when you do yeah. see like the personality come out of her, it's and it's like so a good. And it's so good because that's all we want. That's like, we're all just like, oh, we just want like, you just want a moment. Cause as we know, like it's not about winning the show. It's not about this, about that. It's about having these iconic, the reality TV viral moments. So when I did that poncho reveal and I saw her face and I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. That was really, really, really a special moment. I'll literally never get her that face out of my head. She just went, Ooh! like it was like a full on, like, like she, I wish like it was so much better than the edit that they showed. Like, like she just went crazy. Oh my but God. It was it so good. Was there anything edited out of Drag Race that you wish had been left in? Of your yes. Um, episode. I feel like it's episode one or episode two. Akira got so drunk and untucked that she fell off the side of the stage where they're standing at the back. <laughs> and I wish they had kept that in because it was really funny. And after that, we were only allowed two drinks. <laughs> I mean, that was the rule for a while because of Ju after Juju season, Juju got drunk one episode and was throwing up. Black velvet. Yeah. <laughs> throwing. And so after that, there was always a two drink minimum, but maybe they were starting to like let down oh, the reins a little. They, they weren't really like paying attention or something, but yeah, mm -hmm. uh, she got, she got good and lit. I got, I got drunk and untucked that one time when I held, when I was hiding in the sofa cushions, I was so drunk that episode. That was the only time I got like drunk. Do you want to know what else I noticed? Like, think I was like thinking back to your season and I had to like actually rewatch a, a little bit of it mm -hmm. because I realized like your season, I I don't know what I was going through, but I must have been like, I must have been out at the Abbey every night Um, because I don't remember <laughs> watching it from start to finish. So I started watching it this week and I was like, you know what? I feel like you were the first season to have any Kai Kai going on. I was like, my season, no. Like, oh, yeah. Up until, I think, season 11, where did anyone have a love story, let alone, you know? And then there was this one moment where you're talking about in the hallway where Banji looks, gave you, like, gave you a look or something and you, like, grabbed your junk. <laughs> and then I felt like there was more to that story that you didn't tell. <laughs> like, did you guys hook up at the hotel? No, no. We were very, like, 
lock and key mm-hmm. like they were very very strict so no we never hooked up at the hotel we were never obviously as film as as it goes on like at the beginning they're like so strict and as you get closer to the end they relax a little bit and once you're like you at know, the top like they've got the yeah top. yeah things things chill out a little bit for sure mm-hmm. but no we, we never hooked up but yeah, I think I did grab. I think it was like a stupid like grab. I wasn't. I wasn't being like super serious. I was just kind of like like doing something funny. Like yeah, no, that's know. hot. No, that's hot. I, I fucking. I'm love also what horrible at flirting. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm horrible at flirting. So I don't. I, I can't even imagine myself grabbing my jug. Like like what was I doing? Was I, I guess I was like pretending to be butch or something. I, don't I know. guess so. <laughs> sure. So that was so really just a jump. lot of like built up. Built up tension then if you had to be there yeah that many weeks together. i mean he was cute he was cute well he is cute like I, there was definitely like chemistry and there was a spark and I, it was nice to have a little companionship going through that you know like i have mm-hmm. a little like friend and thing and then we we tried to like date after the show and we did for a little bit and then it just didn't work we're very very different people <laughs> very <laughs> wildly different personalities and i'm also i'm very much i i don't like being in a relationship we've talked about i've never met yeah i am not a relationship girl i i love i love being alone i'm very much like a hermit i love my own space i love quiet i love making my own decisions like i love all of that shit so yeah it it, in the end it just wasn't gonna work out when was your last serious relationship i've never had one never i that's what i mean like i've never had like a serious like boyfriend like I've dated people, obviously, but I like my cap is about three months. I love the beginning of relationships. Like I, I'm addicted to that high and the, the butterflies and like seeing his dick for the first time and kissing him for the first time and all of those firsts and like when it's exciting and new. But then after that, like you just start seeing all the flaws and and, and like I'm extremely critical, even though I am far from perfect and I know I have a lot of. Flaws but I have a hard time accepting them with other people mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just like like I just I don't know I it just it never works out and I don't want to fucking talk to someone every day like I don't want to have to have a conversation with like I feel obligated to talk to this person every single fucking day like what am I gonna say like I don't want to talk to you mm-hmm. like and I don't want to live with you and like, does this mean this is going to be the only dick I'm going to get for the rest of my life? I don't want that. Like, just so many things. I just like, I can't like. That's it, the it, scary part. I feel part. like I'm trapped. It, it, it feels, <laughs> it feels like, like I, like I'm in a cage. I'm sorry, and I'm very claustrophobic as well. And it feels like, like the walls are closing in on me. That's what it feels like when things start getting serious with somebody. So as soon as we get to that point where things are starting to like head in like a serious direction, I freak the fuck out, and I'm like gotta go it's not you it's me (laughs) but for real (laughs) the amount of times i've been told that brooklyn (laughs) it might be me no um no but i'm the same way i remember my last serious relationship i had that thought so many times like is this the last penis i'm ever gonna see like, especially when I knew that we were headed in that direction, I was like, this, that can't, like, we're going to have to have some arrangement, like, where once a year, you know, I get a whole Unless it's a really something. good dick. Like, I mean, if it's a beautiful dick, and mm-hmm. it's, like, just that, like, I'm okay with that. But still, like, I, and I, I used to be very, like, 
monogamous. Like, I don't understand people who are in open relationships. Why are you even dating? Blah, 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 blah. Now, as I get older, I'm definitely like, oh, I, I get it now. You know, like, when did that I would, shift? probably a couple of years ago, I think I just, I was very closed minded and like, I don't know. And I judgy about it, but like a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, I guess that actually does make perfect sense. And like, I would, I, I think I would need to be in some sort of open relationship where obviously there are boundaries and rules and like things you, you couldn't do, but there you were, you were allowed to at least, or, or like it was up for discussion. As mm-hmm. soon as something is taken off the table for me, that's all I want. Mm-hmm. You tell me I can't have steak all I want a steak so like I, and, and the thing is if it's on the table and it's an option 98% chance I'm not actually going to do it mm-hmm. no it's so. so well well it's called ethical non-monogamy I actually cast <laughs> a development project for this poly dating show and so that's what I love about casting is like whatever show I'm on I like really learn about the subject and so I learned yeah. So much about polyamory and the and ethical non-monogamy and like how it really is like such an open communication, talking about boundaries, like what works for us, what doesn't, what yeah. are we allowed to do? Like what are our non-negotiables when it comes to it? Like how, you know, and there's all these like rules that like couples can make to where both partners feel comfortable. And then you do check-ins mm-hmm. every couple months where it's like, okay, this isn't working for me anymore. Like let's do, you know, so, and it's really about like self-discovery. Cause you don't know, you don't know your boundaries till, till they're yeah. in front of you. You know what I mean? So exactly. I'm a little too much of a jealous person and territorial, I think. So yeah, I think I'm a little too lioness, like to where like, I would probably kill someone else <laughs> like and, and I'd, like, I'd be like please please take yeah see I get jealous like the first if they were to like and I'd probably be more jealous in like the romance aspect of it than the sexual aspect of it yeah. like if I found out he was bringing you to like my favorite restaurant like I would be pissed yeah that's true so that would but be like, my boundary <laughs> I get that no no, no favorite restaurants no Delilah no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. Yeah, and like I know that's also I'm very open to the idea of possibly one day being in a relationship, but I think if it happens for me it's going to happen later in life. Like all mm-hmm. of everything kind of seems to happen a bit later for me than everyone else. I'm the youngest child, so it it always kind of takes me a little bit longer to do things, which is fine, but yeah, it's going to have to be a really really special person. I'm definitely not just I have lots of friends who just cannot be single. Like I, I, they physically, like they just have to be in a relationship and I don't mm-hmm. understand it. And I'm just I don't not either. That I don't I either. And person. I don't know if it's like, it might, maybe it's upbringing. Maybe it's like codependency. Maybe it's like fear yeah. of being alone and like settling. But yeah, I'd much rather be alone with my dog than with someone that I don't like, I'm not obsessed with. But you yeah. kind of you kind of segued. I want to know about your family. Like, I don't know your backstory. Like, where did you grow up? Like, paint a picture for where you grew up in Canada and the family that you were born into. I grew up in Toronto, in a little suburb of Toronto called Etobicoke. I'm the youngest of four. And I grew up in a, it was a, a very religious family. My grandparents were missionaries in Asia. So my mom grew up in, like, Malaysia in the jungle. 
And my dad's family was very, very religious. They were like staunt, like this like sect of Christianity where the women couldn't wear pants and had to wear like head coverings and like church and shit. Like it was like hardcore. So I kind of grew up in that world, which was interesting. Being what mean. religion? <laughs> yeah, what religion were they? Were there? Christianity? It's like Christian, um, like Pentecostal, uh, um, like that hardcore Christianity. They were like it was called the Brethren. Doesn't that sound like a cult? The Brethren. Yeah. So it was called the Brethren. Thank- thankfully, my parents left that sect of Christianity by the time I was born, but it was still obviously like it still lingers. So I was brought up in a in a more forward thinking church where they actually had musical instruments and stuff. And like it was it was still very much church, but it was like just not so strict. But yeah, I grew up in church. I was a church kid three times a week. Which is interesting, again, because I'm me, and I've always been me, and I've always been very gay, and very flamboyant, very out there, and just, like, noticeable, I guess. I've never I've never blended into anything, ever. <laughs> so what was that like in the church? Did people try to dim your light, or did they embrace you? What was, what was it like being so gay in the church? Well, I didn't know I was gay. Well, I, I knew I was different. I didn't really know what that meant but I, honestly I had a lot of like I had friends I was um, I, I would almost say I was popular like I was and I was a mean girl oh I was a mean girl at church because I was bullied so badly at school obviously because like and then at church for some reason like two of my best friends my two best friends were these two straight guys Simon and Kevin they're both shout firefighters out. too shout out yeah. Simon and Kevin <laughs> hey Simon and Kevin yeah they're both firefighters so they're Hot. like yeah, they are. And they're both very, very attractive. But yeah, they, they were my, my two best friends. It was like the three of us. And I don't know, I like I kind of like ran my like age group click. I was like Regina George. And I was a full on mean girl because like I had to take out my anger and like my aggression on the fact that I was made to feel so small at school. So I was like a big dog at church. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to be like, what is Dr. that? So I went had to go to CCD because I grew up Catholic, but my parents didn't make me go to Catholic school. But if you didn't go to Catholic school, you had to go to church class every week. And yeah. I felt like I shined at CCD too because it was like, it felt like a second chance at school. I felt like yeah. it was a smaller group. You're all, you're all in it kind of together. So there's this like, oh, we have to get through it together. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like I had more confidence in CCD. What, when you say bullied, what? tell me about that. Like, what were they doing? Well, I never got like beat up or anything. It was just like got, getting called faggot and like the usual and just like made fun of and stuff like that. And I obviously, I just wasn't popular. I had I had friends, but I just wasn't like a cool kid. And all I, all I ever wanted in the world, some, some days even now, all I ever wanted was to be normal. I was like, well, it must be so nice to just be average and normal and just like go through life and nobody like stares at you constantly or like you're not, you, you know, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, but, and just to be like content with like working at a bank or like just having a, like a normal, you know, like having a good normal job and being like, yeah, this is my job. This is my life. Cool. Anyway. And like, and I just never, I'm not built like that. Like I'm, constantly wanting more and more and more and more you in a bank you in a fucking bank <laughs> well you know what i mean though like yeah. just 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 to have like a like to have a, like a very normal steady steady stable job and be like happy doing that and mm-hmm. and and a lot of people are and that's i think that's amazing but i always wondered like just for a week even if i could just be 
inconspicuous and like not noticeable because I've always been so every like just noticeable by height the way I walk like everything mm -hmm. about me has always kind of stood out I'm not a I'm not a wallflower in that way so I, I was I used to pray I was like please just make me normal just make me normal for like the day <laughs> I just want I just want to I just want to blend in and, and disappear into the wall oh but that wasn't meant to be it wasn't meant to be. Did you think you channeled a lot of like that into your dance? Yeah. Cause like, no, I mean, I just, is that, like, it doesn't sound to me like, cause I feel like if you dream of having a normal life, like, like, but you dreamt of more. I did. No, I, for sure. I just, I dreamt of being a normal, I guess not a normal life, but being a normal person. I yeah. just felt like I was never a normal person. And I was when, just like, when did you start to accept, accept yourself and, and, and kind of embrace oh, it's taken like your me a sexual long time. Okay. A long time. Well, I, I came out when I was 18, but in terms of like accepting myself and like loving myself and like coming to terms with myself, honestly, like the last couple of years is when I've really started to like get into myself, which is crazy because I'm almost we're almost 40. <laughs> um so it, <laughs> I know. I'm excited. I will I can't. I wait to know, be I know, I know. I have this. I'm gonna be like this. Yes, we're gonna <laughs> I'm gonna look like Spock. Oh my god, I already, and have, I, I already have the haircut. Oh my god, I think it's hot. Um, I'm also dying that like you when we first started when you're talking about that night at the Abbey, that's when like me and August Getty were just like every week going to get something else done. And I really overdid my lips for a while. But luckily they just settled on their own. Like I'm very lucky. They look great. Thank no, they look you. really good. They were same crazy. with my cheeks. I yeah. like, I I haven't gotten my cheeks done in two years and they're still just right there. When you'll like, see the Morpheus kind of like it it puts everything together. Oh, good. I can't wait. Oh, after my first Morbius treatment, I was obsessed. I like I couldn't stop looking at myself. Um, I think I'm going to get my face done, too. I think I'm getting a nose job. And I think I I'm going to get a whole nose, new face. I love your nose, though. I love fucking nose. I, oh, I, I love it, too. And I've, it's, it's had a good run, but it's it's time. It's time. I, and I'm, I, like the, I like the shape of it. I just want it smaller. It's very large okay. I, I mean I think about a nose job all the time so who am I and people are like why would you want a nose job and I'm like just to make it perfect <laughs> no I, you have a good nose don't do it okay okay you heard it here people coming out at 18 what made you come out at 18 what set it off well I think it was just time like at that point like I was like getting into my like sexuality and like stuff and like I was like, I just knew I like boys and not girls. That's what I was attracted to. And I'd like, it was just, I was so tired of like pretending to be straight. So I decided to come out and I guess I, I just felt comfortable enough. And what was uh, that like? That. What was that like with the Christian family though? And do you think maybe that's why you held back from coming out till you were 18? Um, it was fine. It they, they like, they weren't like thrilled and they were like, well, we love you, but we don't support you. Of course, your lifestyle choices, people, you know that. It's and it was so fine. crazy when people act like it's a fucking like hobby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like it's my extracurricular activity. Fucking yeah. Dick. Like I've been overthinking this since five years old. Like, thanks for, for deeming it down. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was fine. And at that point I was an adult, so I could just kind of do whatever I wanted to do. And mm -hmm. I was just very like, and I didn't make a big deal out of it. I, I wasn't like, oh, you don't like, and, and they, they made very sure to know that I, they, I was still loved. And I wasn't mm -hmm. like thrown out of the house or cast away or anything, but it was very like, well, well, we don't really support what you're doing, but we still love you. And I was like, okay. 
I was like, oh, I'm just going to go do my thing anyway. And that's kind of really from 18. I've like, when I left home, I just kind of went out on my own and did my own thing and haven't really relied on anybody. Thanks. Not really. No, like a little bit here and there, but like on my, like my dad gave me some money here and there, but like, I've just been very independent and very much into doing my own thing and very much not into my family. And I'm, we're like, we're fine now. And like mm-hmm. me and my mom are super close and all that stuff. So there's no bad blood there at all. But I was, I've just been very much like, I'm just very, I'm very different from everybody in my family. And I don't even just mean my immediate family. I mean like my family. Mm-hmm. Like I think there, I have a couple of gay cousins, but I'm, I'm probably one of the only artists of any sort, shape or form mm-hmm. in my family. I'm one of like two, maybe three gay people that I know in my entire family, which is like hundreds of people. Well, um, the only out one. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's just like, so like. You, you I, just I, always I just, felt like you didn't fit in. Like there was something no, greater yeah. for you out there. Yeah, like I, I just never really fit in with, with my family. So I've always just kind of gone out and done my own thing. And I come in and see them. And like when I'm in town, I see them and stuff. And then I just go away again. And it's perfect. I'm I'm, I'm much better. I think I'm much better with my family from a distance. Oh, my mom used to even tell me that as a kid. Like I mean, like during those like 18 to early 20s when like, because I was the same way. The second I graduated high school, I was fucking out of there. And it wasn't yeah. like I was abused or like had to get out of there. I just always knew I was different and that I was like destined for other things. And my yeah. mom and our relationship got better. My mom used to be like, we're better from a distance. Like, because we're so similar that we'll just like, just our personalities, not, you know. But I totally get that. Like, I just always wanted to be independent. I remember being like a little girl, like pretending like my room was my apartment and like no one could come in. And like, so. yeah, I've just always I've, I've I've always been ever since then, I've just been on my own. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely moments you get lonely. Like I would like whenever I'm on like a nice vacation and I'm like, oh, I wish I had a boyfriend. This is romantic. Or like when it's the holidays, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as that's done, I'm like, oh, thank God. Or I just jerk <laughs> off. And if I ever want a boyfriend, all I do is jerk off. And the minute I come, I'm like, oh, there's nobody here. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? I don't have to talk to anybody right now. I love that. And no, that's, I and, think more people should masturbate before texting their ex. <laughs> yes. Imagine. Imagine. It's, imagine. No. And I wish more guys did it so they didn't like lure me back in be just because they're fucking horny. Like, I'm like, why don't you masturbate and then see if you want me to come over? Because. The stu- <laughs> yeah. The stupid shit horniness makes us do. It's like, so true. I've been doing yeah. that now. Like as an adult woman, I've been like, you want to text him, but why don't you go masturbate and then see if you really want to hang out with him tonight? And then after I'm like, fuck that, let's throw on some gossip girl and smoke a ball and go to bed. Uh- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like that's the vibe. I And then I don't feel like used the next day. You know what I mean? Because that's where I'm at in my life where it's like, I'm just like, I save myself from getting attached to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. And I just, I I haven't like, I haven't met anybody that I've liked enough to like factor into my plans or factor Mm -hmm. into my life. Yeah. I've just, I've never met anyone that I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in love with you. Or like, I need you in my life. I'm like, okay. And I usually, after I come, I'm like, except, except Miss 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 Mi
Except, except, Miss except Vanjie. The one that got the fuck away. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh my God. I love Vanjie. I love Wait, Vanjie. And, okay. we're still, and we're still good friends. I, I, oh, I bet. Like, who, I oh, yeah, fucking love Vanjie. We need to have like a fucking crazy night because I feel like the three of us would go crazy together well, oh my god well I, we would I'll, have fun. I'll, I'll chaperone you too because i'm yeah, sober now we so would be i will so be the chaperone <laughs> oh my god you're sober i love that for yeah. you yeah i barely drink here. anymore a, a year mm-hmm. oh my god like sober everything like you don't do no vices no i i take like an edible once in a while to go to bed like i never mm-hmm. smoked weed but like yeah no drugs no alcohol <gasps> oh my god and our inside joke used to be like get me a drink chanel chanel where, where did that start I don't know. And it was very detox. Like, I don't know. We would be at parties and Brooklyn would be like, Chanel, where's my drink? Oh, I think it was because you were like, I'm jealous. Like, you used to like be like the girl that got all the Queen's drinks and all this stuff. And like, I don't get that. You're like, where's oh, where's yeah. my where's my treatment? You know? I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> every time right. you'd see me, you'd be like, where's my drink, Chanel? Chanel, where's my drink? <laughs> Chanel. Okay. So you're on Drag Race. You do good. You make it till the end. I do do good. Did you think you were going to win? No. You know? No, no. I didn't think. Going into it, uh, my goal was to be top two. Mm -hmm. And as honestly, as soon as that happened, I was like, party. Like, I really, I kind of checked out. I didn't check out, but like, I still gave it my all. But like, I, you, you know what's you know what it's going to be. Like I was performing and I was dancing my heart out and Evie literally was just standing there and did like a back bend and people lost their shit. And I was like, well, that's, that's that. (laughs) You know, she had, she had a a moment or a gag or a gig or something. Well, She was such, she was such another version of young RuPaul. Like, Oh yeah. Like, it we was, were, you know we, what I mean? Like, if, we and, were so polar opposite. Like, I was like the pretty pageant girl, and she was like the weirdo. Like, mm-hmm. it was, it was like a match made in heaven. And like, especially after that, like, I was like, I was like, I obviously did not win. Like, but it, like, like, you kind of fucking won because, girl, you are now the judge of Canada's Drag Race, the host. Yes. You are like the main. You were like the RuPaul of Canada's Drag Race. How the fuck did that come about? Were you the first? You were the first queen to get that title, right? Like now, I've seen that they, it's happened since then. But but I feel like yeah. you were the first. Oh. And what was that like? Take me through that experience. I was yeah. I'm the first queen contestant. Excuse me. I'm the first contestant from the show. The first actual queen that hosted a franchise besides RuPaul was Pangina Heels in Thailand. Oh, but yes. she she had never been on Drag Race. So I'm the first mm-hmm. contestant from Drag Race to get my own franchise. And I really don't remember when exactly. It was around DragCon time that I, I, I think we started hearing about it and there were whispers about it, which was actually before the, the crowning, before the finale. So like, I think I was going into it kind of or it was either right before or right after the finale. It was very close in that time frame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it had happened very quickly after around that time. So I don't, I, and I can never remember when exactly it happened, but it was great. Cause like you, you lose the show and then you're like, well, I guess I'll go back at all stars or like, how long can I milk my 15 minutes of fame and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then this just got plopped in my lap and I was like, well, Never mind. <laughs> I have something to do now. And we're we just announced that we're doing a fifth season. So 
It's crazy. So we've done five seasons or we will have five seasons of it. And we've done one season of Canada versus the world. Uh, they've announced a second one of that. So I've done, I've, I will have hosted seven seasons, seven seasons of drag race pretty soon at some point in the next year. Like <laughs> I just got the chills for you. I mean, that's such a fucking, that's such an accomplishment and you're so good at it. Like you really, like you're so good at it. It seems like it comes very natural to you. Yeah. Judging does come very naturally. to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know. But I know. Did, um, Rue, did you ever have a conversation with Rue about it? Like ask for like tips and tricks. Like who, who did you talk to about like taking, a, I, I mean, that's like Michelle a huge, it's huge shoes yeah. to fill. No, I messaged Michelle about it and I was just like, and she just, I, she gave me good advice. She said, always try to see yourself in every contestant. So I was like, oh, okay, that's good. But besides that, um, no, I never talked to Rue about it. Every time I see him, which is like maybe once every two years or once a year, like a filming or something, I always just say thank you so much like for changing my life. Cause like, I really, owe, I really owe everything I have to him. And I think we all do. I mean, mm -hmm. we would drag would not be this economy and this industry without him. So I'm always just so grateful for the, the opportunities he's given all of us, honestly, mm -hmm. like it's just, he's changed so many lives. He's changed this underground industry full of like freaks and weirdos and given us a platform and a chance to make a real living doing what we love to do. Mm -hmm. which is something none of us ever thought would happen. We all thought we'd be standing on an Apple box in the corner of a bar making a hundred bucks for the rest of our lives. So, mm -hmm. or getting the like drag queen number four and like a background scene, you know, but it was not. Oh, yeah. Now, Dead hooker number four. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, the show changed the whole world and, and like not just the drag community. I mean, it has now trickled completely into the mainstream where it's like mm -hmm. you're seeing little like middle-aged white women say slay and it's insane. Yeah. And that's all thanks to Rue and thanks to Fenton and Randy and mm -hmm. Tom and every night world of wonder, like shout mm -hmm. out. Shout out. Like it really, like it, they've really just kind of, taken this and run with it and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger we're yeah. like the new america's next top model <laughs> it very much is that but it's like even surpassed that because america's oh, next yeah. top model like yeah it like kind of hit like it's like it's still going and like worldwide that's the craziest thing is like how many like countries yeah. and shit it's in now it's insane what's the proudest moment of your career thus far is it that getting getting drag race canada my whole career, I think, honestly, yeah, getting to host Drag Race Canada is a pretty big accomplishment. Getting, I've won a Canadian Screen Award. I've won four of them for hosting. So that's pretty cool. Oh my God, that's I think, huge. I think my proudest moment is, I have so many proudest moments. My number one proudest moments, I'm going to say, it's because it's really what turned everything for me and kind of got me on this path is winning Miss Continental. Mm-hmm. Because that's what gave me the visibility. That's such a, a legendary uh, sisterhood and mm -hmm. legacy to be a part of. So that was like number one for me. Mm -hmm. And then getting on Drag Race, getting to host Canada's Drag Race, buying my houses has been pretty mm -hmm. cool. And like never thought I would be able to not have one, let alone two houses. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of a, a big deal and I'm very proud of it. So yeah, those are all kind of like pinch me pinch me moments honestly i'm just so lucky every day i wake up and and opportunities just keep coming my way and i'm just so grateful and i just always 
try my best and work really hard. I work really, really fucking hard. You do. You're put, a professional. I am. And I, I, I am a workaholic and I, I love what I get to do and I, I put everything I have into it. So I'm just, I'm very grateful that I got to keep doing it. What's a common misconception about you? That I'm a bitch. <laughs> well, well, I just have a very dry sense. I'm very dry. My face is obviously very not um, friendly looking. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so, I'm so goofy and stupid, like when you know me, but I'm just very, I've always just kind of been like a grump. Always, like even when I was a, a little kid, I've always just kind of been like very sarcastic, very dry, very grumpy. Which I love because I love a fucking challenge. We've talked about this before. Yes, like, I you love, do love a challenge. I love challenges. I love monster. It's a toxic trait for sure because that trickles into my <laughs> that trickles into my dating life, Brooklyn. But <laughs> everyone loves a challenge with their date with who they're dating. There's something like a, I can fix him. Yeah, I can fix him. Like why? You know? Yeah, it's very that. But no, I just I and I had a feeling you were. Gonna say that because I do think that you have this like hard like I think people like us because people have said that about me too it's like it's a defense mechanism like we've had to be this way and it's how it's like a survival yeah. tactic you know but usually those people are usually have the biggest hearts and are the most like softest you know oh like, I'm so oh, I am so, and I've, I put up a lot you're right it's, it's a total defense mechanism I'm an extremely extremely sensitive person I was crying this morning watching like a dog a video of a dog sleeping like I and when I was little I would cry at everything all the time like I remember we had like a family from our church up to our cottage in the summer for like a week and when they left I st I'll never forget this I started bawling bawling like I was never gonna see these I literally see them every week at church and I was bawling my eyes out because they were leaving. It was just like stuff like that. So, and I, I think as I got older, I got really embarrassed because like it just can't be crying all the time. So I started to, that's when like the, the walls kind of went up and this, I created this like kind of harder shell on the outside. But I am very, I'm a very big softie. I'm a huge softie. I just, I don't let a lot of people see that side of me. It's probably why we also like being single because it's like no one get like oh, yeah. no I don't want anyone to ever see that. No side vulnerability of me. <laughs> ever. Absolutely not. <laughs> and it's weird that you can pinpoint that one moment because I have the first moment of my childhood that I remember crying over something silly. It was do you remember on full did you watch Full House in Canada? Oh yeah. Remember when Danny and his girlfriend broke up on the show? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I think we probably were in like third grade or something. Like I remember being so young and I remember I couldn't stop crying over it. And my mom thought it was like so weird, but she was like, that's so cute that you care so much about this fake relationship on television. Right. But <laughs> I just remember being so emotional. And then ever since that, ever since then, I cry over everything in movies. Like I get so invested and yeah. Oh yeah. But I cry over weird things. Like same like you with like, if I see like a, cute bird outside sometimes i'll be like oh yeah or like i was watching like blind auditions on the voice today and i was just like it was like jealous by labyrinth was the song they were singing i just started like <laughs> like just crying <laughs> oh my god oh, like, not even like teary i like full on tears rolling down my face crying so oh like oh my god so people would never yeah. know that about you i don't think oh i'm gonna like i and I don't cry a lot, but like, and there's a reason I don't cry a lot because I am what you would call an ugly cry. Like when I cry, it's like, we're talking heaving, like, <gasps> like can't talk. Like when I cry, 
that's that's what we're dealing with. So it's not great. <laughs> you don't want to trust me. You do not want to see it. I remember. Oh my god, the last time I ugly cried in public, or like just like really cried actually was when I stepped down at Miss Continental, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. It was the day of the final night. They always have a brunch. It's called Performers Brunch for all the promoters and all the former Miss Continentals. We go and like have brunch at the Baton where Continental was born. And I, it was my step down and I had to, so they were like, they're like, do you want to say something? All the ratings give a little speech. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired and I was so emotional. It had been such a hard, crazy year that like I got up there and like, I was like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And I was, and then I just started bawling. And in front of a room full of people, I just started like bawling my eyes out because I was just so like emotional and just tired Mm-hmm. And just like in, exhausted in every possible way, and I just bawled. It was probably like uh, like your whole. I mean, there's so many reasons, but it was probably like so much leading up to that, and then just like the that was probably like such a healthy like release for you. And what's crazy to me is because Continental, like I feel like everything in life kind of like prepares us for things, and so like I feel like you know, your childhood with being bullied and stuff like that prepares you for continental. Like isn't continental a little bit like what, what's the crazy, what's something that people don't know about continental, like how it could get, like, does it get really competitive? Does it get bully like, or, or did you have a, no, it, it, it really doesn't. Hey, stop fighting me. Sorry. My cats. It's you okay. know, asshole. Come here. You a cat person? Oh Yeah. Oh, what's your cat's name? This is Apollo. Oh, and he Apollo. hates being picked up. One thing, it's actually Continental is extremely professional. Mm-hmm. And one thing I think that would shock most people is how quickly it moves. Because we've all been to a pageant and they're like hours and hours and mm-hmm. hours long. Continental is done in two and a half hours. Like it is like, it is run like the military. Like you have, like, let's say there's swimsuit and there's, 30 girls in swimsuit. If you're girl number one, you have until all of those other girls go, plus like probably two entertainers to get ready for the next category. And then it's bam, bam, bam again. Like it's, it's, it's run so quickly mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing because that's how it should be. It's done so professionally. So I think that's what surprises a lot of people. And also I encourage everybody watching this, go, go to Miss Continental. It is the best. It is like, it, mm-hmm. it's the best pageant to go watch it's held in a big beautiful theater everyone's there I, what was so great this last year and what's been happening the last couple of years is rue girls come and watch it mm-hmm. and support it and i'm like that like there was i think there was like six or seven or almost 10 of them there this year and it was so cool to see all these rue girls come and like because we have to keep pageantry alive it's and- true like, we have to keep it alive and honestly like i'm shocked there hasn't been like a like docu-series on on the pageant system if anyone's listening i think they're working on it it, yeah someone has to be doing it because i'm like it's so fascinating and so interesting Mm. and i remember my first taste of drag they like i learned about pageants and like watched them online and all that stuff and especially because morgan mcmichael is like entertainment of the year entertainer of the year like a bunch of the girls in the beginning like they were all pulled straight from like the pageant system is that how how did did you meet latrice like what and that was how I was going to kind of wrap this out was how did, how did you know Latrice? How did we wind up at that same wedding together? 
I met Latrice when I was Wisconsinental. Obviously, I'd known about her on Drag Race, but um, I was performing in uh, Fort. I was there's a prelim in Fort Lauderdale, and then we went to this bar afterwards to perform. And she was there, and that's kind of how I met her. And she tipped me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then we just kind of kept running into each other from then. Like I would perform in Orlando a lot, and she was she was up there, and we would just bump into each other here and there and around the corner. And I met Christopher, her husband, and then so yeah, it just kind of like evolved from there. Um, that's so crazy. And then, yeah, it was just one of those like nice little things. I love that. Um, because yeah. it was like, so it started at the pageant and ended at the pageant. I love it. Let's wrap out this interview with, well, what I want to know, like, what's next for you? What is next for me? Well, like, I'm, what I'm else do you want to do? What else do you want to well, do in your life? I would love to do more runway modeling. I love doing runway. And I, I like, I want to like, like a proper runway. Um, <laughs> not, one <in> the mid- <laughs> not one in the middle of a park <laughs> during a music festival. <laughs> um, but you fucking killed it. Wait, was that your first <laughs> runway? Well, besides Drag Race, yeah. That was my first like, fa- that was my first fashion show I've ever done. Oh my God. So I cast uh, Brooklyn in our last Marco Marco fashion show, which happened to be- After I told her to. I, I mean, she did honestly, like, she, and like, that's how I know, like, when you want something, you go after it. Like, Brooklyn was yeah. like, "Oh no, I'm in your next fashion show. Like, you better call me." And so I was like, so scared to not have you in that show. <laughs> but yeah. Brooklyn fucking killed it. But it was in the middle of a music festival without like a real proper runway. So you're right. Like, we need to do like a real, and that's my thing. A runway is like that's my favorite part. Like that is my oh favorite yeah. Part and that was my favorite part of, and that was my favorite part of the drag race was the runway. But I just mm-hmm. love, I love that, that moment. So I would love to do more modeling stuff. That's definitely. Okay. Something I want to do, keep like developing and producing TV shows, something I want to, I, I want to keep doing. Honestly, I don't ever really have a plan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I just, my only plan is I want to keep working. That's my only goal. I want to mm-hmm. stay employed. I want to keep working, whether that be bar gigs or honestly, like a lot of the times the gigs at the bars pay way better than like a TV gig or Ain't that the fucking truth? Like, people listening, like, you think that TV, like, everyone has money, and, like, like, no. No, honey. No. No. Like, uh, you want to make money? You want to make money? Go to fucking Omaha, Nebraska, and -hmm. perform at a bar. Like, honestly, like, those, like, people, a lot of people are like, oh, bar queen, or, like, you're hosting a TV show. Why are you still performing in bars? Because they pay lovely. That's why. Yeah. That's why. They pay lovely, and, and you get that, like, you get connection. that connection. connection. You get connection with people. And I love performing. So I'm like, absolutely. But I'm leaving on um, Monday for the Marie and Peter Christmas tour for 38 shows. <gasps> oh my God. 38 shows, Chanel. So that'll be fun. <laughs> are you are you guys on a bus or are you flying? Yeah. You're on a bus. You, I don't know. You just sign up for these bus tours. Like I love a bus. <laughs> I know. I, we I, talked about this before. Tour. You give love a bus. a bus tour. I do. You have your little cave bunky thing and, and there's no airports and lost luggage. And I don't like, I don't like surprises and I do not like the unknown. And that like with a tour like that, like there's so much that can go wrong, but with a bus, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to get on, you're going to go to bed and you're going to wake up in the next city. Mm-hmm. And I just like that schedule. That mm-hmm. like and it's that and consistency I think is what I like I love consistency and schedule, so yeah I'm excited and it's great because you just kind of zone out, 
and you're just when, you know when are you in LA when does the Christmas tour come to LA I think like December 8th or something you have to come see I'm going to come and I, I went to your last um bus and we had so much I remember after like the bus was like <gasps> oh yes you and Gigi <laughs> me and Gigi after partied after one of their um one of their that bus was the tours tour last year yes oh my god and we had so much fun it was like a tail I felt like we were like tailgating <laughs> you were oh my god I forgot about yeah that. we were there like I swear we were like at your bus till like three in the morning it was so much oh fun. I missed I do miss Gigi's house parties yeah well when you're in LA we'll have to and and Gigi like we're all just growing up you know what I mean I feel like we've all mellowed out well, so she's, much she, yeah and she's becoming a mom she's preparing for motherhood and so yeah and like she's on this fitness journey we've all just been like really like trying to like do better for ourselves. I think, I think we just like all kind of got out of that. Like, Oh, we can party every night aspect of our life. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'd rather wake up like rested with good skin and, you know, do something accomplishing, like do something great. And then maybe, you know, yeah, we're more of like, let's have a glass of wine now type of gals, which I love. I love it. I love that. And like, yeah, you have to, it's, and it's really fun. It's like, part, like I get it, but like after a while, like the party, the party has to end at some point. No party your ass up in your twenties after you turn 30, when the hangovers start kicking in, like just stop. <laughs> Honestly, like it's so much better. And then you can, and there's so much else to do in life. And like, you and then you'll always have those fun memories. Like you don't want to be partying. Like you want to be looked back and be like, Oh, wasn't that great? You don't want to be like, Oh my God, I'm, am I still doing this? Well, the, the cute drunk stories of me are cute because I was in my twenties. If you were to like talk they're about, they're not cute now. They're not cute now. Now I'm no. like, now it's like Chanel, like you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and we all, we all know those people at the bar that I'm like, they're like 50 and they're still out there just railing lines and like being messy. And I'm like, how do you get up the next day? Like, how are you That's alive? That's my thing. That's my, it's like, I, yeah, like if I wanted to like accomplish anything else in my life, like I had to like start like toning it down. I am about to go help out Ashton Michael with his runway show today. I'm so freaking excited. So I have to go do that right now. It was so much fun catching up with you, talking to you. I feel like people got to see like more, get to know more about you, that you're not this stone cold mm. bitch that <laughs> you're that you are like endearing and like we all have a backstory and I just I want I want a lot of I want to get people's backstories on this podcast and when we were talking about dating you had mentioned that you know unless the guy has like a perfect dick would you would you want to be Listen, with them forever I want to know what a perfect dick is to Brooklyn Heights and maybe perfect dick. maybe that guy's listening just uh, straight either straight or a little bit of a curve if they're not circumcised not too much okay. just like a, a little bit of foreskin if it's like if the foreskin's still covering the dick when it's hard we houston we have a problem for okay. me mm. or no or or circumcised a beautiful head like a good a good thick shaft but then like a gorgeous mushroom head you know just like mm -hmm. just part like you know an aesthetically pleasing looking penis Mm -hmm. And another thing I want to mention, I want, I will be in a relationship. If I'm going to be in a relationship, I want someone to take care of me. I'm not saying I want to be a kept woman, but I want to not have to worry about money. I want to be, I want someone to be like, Hey, I got you. Like, mm -hmm. you don't want to work so hard. I got you. You want, you want to work. You don't feel like you don't, you don't want to feel like you have to take every single gig that comes your way. Cause like you were trying to save up. I got you. I want someone who would take me on vacation or just kind of take care of me. Cause I've been taking care of myself for like, 
18 years now and I'm ready for someone to step in and step up. I'm going to be in a relationship. That's, that's what I'm looking. That's something I would love. Same. It's literally, I keep saying that every day. Yeah. Like someone that makes me want to like work less (laughs) because I, I, I've never met anyone that's made me want to work less. So yeah, exactly. Did you have fun? I had fun. I had the best time. Okay. Yay. All right. Well, let's wrap up this episode of shut up Chanel by you telling me to shut up. I started it that way and I'll finish it that way. Shut the fuck up, Chanel. (laughs) I love you. I will see you you when you are in town in December. All right. I love you so much. Bye. I love you too. Bye.